You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Running, uh, running behind. Uh, you know, Sunday, I, there, I, have a, I have certain struggles on Sundays. Anybody else? I don't know about you, but I feel like uh, I've, I've always thought there's, a, there's it's almost humorous to me how on edge uh, I can be, or sometimes it seems like if there's any time that there's going to be uh, some bickering or something, this, this did not happen this morning, but if there's ever going to be a time where some bickering or breaks out, it seems like it's going to be a Sunday morning, you know, and I, I know there's, there's uh, factors, you're trying to get the kids ready, or you're trying to uh, wait for your wife to get ready or wait for your husband to get ready. Um, whatever the case may be, you, you, you got traffic, you got this and that on the way. And sometimes, man, it's hard. By the time you get to church, you're so worked up, uh, <laughs> you know, you're hardly in the, in the, in the frame of mind to worship. Uh, but I believe we really got to guard our Sunday mornings because I, I know that there's obviously some uh, humanly explainable factors that factor into Sunday morning being kind of a crazy time, but I'm telling you, there's also a spiritual warfare factor to it as well. Uh, God is wanting to do something in our lives. Uh, you matter. You, you, when you come to this church, I was going to say when you come to this church, you matter. You matter if you don't come to this church, but what I mean to say is that uh, God has a part for you here. Number one, God has something He wants to do in your heart, and honestly, God is going to use you while you're here. Um, and you say, oh, man, I don't feel like I really did anything while I was here. Uh, never, ever, please, don't ever underestimate, uh, and, I, and I, this is something I'm trying to get in the habit of saying to all new members now, especially, is never underestimate the, the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. Uh, man, it matters that you're here. And so we got these battles. Uh, but, but let me tell you about another one of my battles uh, on Sunday mornings as well. Uh, number one, I don't wear a belt all that much throughout the week. When I do wear a belt, uh, there's no spiritual application here, I don't think, whatsoever, okay? Just don't be looking for it. But number one, when I do wear a belt in a week, I wear like a slide belt. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't have holes. You just clamp down, and boy, those belts are the best, let me tell you. Because uh, there's never a time where you know whether or not you're a little bit further, a little bit closer. But Sunday morning is when I put on my, uh, my dress pants normally. And when I do, I put on this belt, and I'm like, what in the world? is going on and i feel like well that loop is worn out and this loop is worn out and uh so <clears throat> sunday morning is usually my reminder that i didn't do too well this last week maybe uh in those ways i don't know if anybody else has those or not so i come in here all sad and uh no i'm just kidding i really don't but it's like well man there you go um has nothing to do with anything but we're gonna be doing a survey in the book of john this morning i've, I've i don't know about you but for years uh, I've, I've enjoyed this particular, this, the types of studies that we're doing here. Um, it was a pretty, I feel like it's a pretty powerful point in my life when I began to see, and especially the first time when I, when I saw these four specific prophecies of Jesus Christ, four and no more as far as in this particular way that he's presented. All of these different times that it's preceded by a promise of the Messiah, and it's preceded by, Behold, behold, behold my servant. Behold your king. Behold the man. 
Behold your God. And all three of these prophecies are specific and, and pointing. And that, that word behold, it's, it's doing everything you can. You ever, you ever try to get somebody's attention? Like, I need all of your attention right now. I need you to forget about everything else. I need you to look away from everything else. And I need you to behold. That's what God is saying in these prophecies. And so it was just such a powerful moment when I saw those prophecies. And then I saw the way the that they're answered, if you will, or explained in the four Gospels. Uh, there's four Gospels for uh, probably a few different reasons, but that's one of the primary reasons is these four Gospels, each one emphasizes one of these aspects of the, the coming Messiah. And I love, I love the Bible. And I love the fact that this is just, I love when I come across these things to where I'm just like, man, the Bible is so right. The Bible is so accurate. God's Word is truly God's Word. He did not leave it into the hands of men to write his word, even though he used men to write it. Don't misunderstand me. But he didn't say, well, I'll just let these guys do the best with what they got. No, the Bible says, holy men of old, they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost of God. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and it says, it's the word of God. And, and, and if you study the word of God, you'll be reminded of that over and over and over again. Um, but... So as we've been studying this, we've been going through each gospel. Now we're on the final gospel, uh, a survey of the book of John, the gospel of John. Each one, of course, is emphasizing Jesus Christ. Each one has kind of a different audience. Uh, Mark uh, was written more to the Romans, which they were, you know, the Jews were living there in Rome. Um, Luke was written more to the Greeks, which the Greek culture, of course, permeated uh, that culture. And then uh, Matthew was written primarily to the Jews as they expected their king. And then we're going to see John was written to the church uh, in just a moment. But I heard this this week and I didn't write it down, so I may not be able to say it the way it probably ought to be said. But just ponder, if you will, for me, with me, a moment. Think about for a moment a man called Jesus Christ who was born Matter of fact, you know he was born in, uh, the Bible says he was born, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was from uh, Nazareth, right? Uh, and he, this out-of-the-way place in an out-of-the-way part of the world, and we understand that the crossroads of the world really are uh, in Jerusalem or in Israel, but the fact that he was born into poverty, the fact that he never traveled, uh, but a few miles from the place he was born, I mean, you know, within, within respect, I mean, he never traveled, I think, over 100 miles from where he was born. Uh, how, do, does anybody know how long Jesus' public ministry was as far as his, once he started preaching and healing and doing all these amazing things? Anybody know how long of a period that was? Three and a half years. Uh, they estimate three and a half years. So think about that, three and a half years. Now, during that time, how many books did he write? None. How many poems did he write? None. I mean, as far as we know, he didn't write anything while he was on earth. Uh, he didn't build anything. He didn't run for public office. He literally uh, went around the countryside. He would go into the city from time to time. Uh, and yet, three and a half years, and yet there has been more written about this man. There's been more songs written about this man 
more poetry, more books. Uh, literally, as we speak today, there is, without any question, there are thousands, uh, if not hundreds of thousands of people, as we speak, writing about Jesus right now. Speaking about Jesus right now. Uh, and we know, we, we, we understand why, but every once in a while it's just good to take a step back and think, man, that's pretty amazing. Uh, he never conquered anything. He never defeated an army. Uh, you know, just, but to be the God-man that he was, but just to think and, and put into perspective, I mean, I, we, we divide our calendar with his birth. And I know people are they're trying to get away from that now. Uh, and... Uh, so, you know, we, we all grew up, of course, with, uh, with B.C. and A.D., uh, before Christ, and uh, Adonai, Domini, in the year of our Lord. Um, I can't remember the exact Latin, what's the Latin phrase there, A.D.? Adonai, Domine, I think. Um, but, but, of course, now it's B.C.E., before common error, era, uh, before common era, and A.D.E., which is something else. It's funny that they tried to keep the same initials and just added one, but totally changed one. Anybody know why they changed those, by the way, recently? It's basically PC, because not everybody in the world wants to keep, and since we are a global society now, not everybody in society wants to, you know, the, the, the Muslim population, Muslim world does not want to mark their calendars for before Christ and after, or in the year of our Lord and after Christ. So literally, it's totally, it's basically a PC move. Uh, and so it's just kind of ridiculous. But, uh, but so just thinking about the impact of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Gospel of John is very different. And if you just, if you read the Gospels, you see some similarities, you see some differences. But man, John is really uh, quite distinct from the others. And that's the reason that the first three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels. And if you get that prefix there and the, the sin, the synoptic gospels, we get kind of like where we get the synonym or whatever in sync. Uh, they kind of all, uh, they, they generally run together. They're covering many of the same things. And then John is called the autopic gospel, which is, uh, it, it's singular. It's, it stands a little bit different than the others. Um, but as we consider uh, some other things about John, something I say a lot around here, and if you've been at this church at any time, man, uh, uh, fairly early on in my life, Christian, I memorized uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, uh, and then I memorized a couple of the verses after that that are connected with it as well, but let's, I'll just read that to start with as we begin our survey of the Gospel of John. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Before I get too far into saying more about these verses, I, I want you to notice in all of John's writings, well, at least the Gospels and the Epistles of John, you'll see, uh, always look for some of these themes. Look for the themes of life and look for the themes of light. You'll see those repeated throughout the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This John, of course, is the Apostle John. He was uh, called John the Younger. 
uh, as we'll see in just a moment. Uh, that's who this man was. Not John the Baptist, but he's John, uh, John the Beloved is what he's often called. But right away, man, you talk about just starting with the bang. For one thing, it's interesting that Jesus here would be called the Word. And if you have any question of that, does anybody know the best possible commentary you can find on the Bible? The Bible, amen? And I'll, I'll say that again. The best possible commentary you can find on the Bible is the Bible. Uh, so look at verse number 14 if you, if, with me, if you will, just in case there were any questions. But the Bible says in verse 14 of John 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now there's some other things that we could, there's a lot we could actually, we could just all, we could talk um, for days about the Word and, 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 and the meaning of the Word that's used there and everything. But I'll just simplify it by saying that when God had something to say to mankind, it's Jesus, amen? That, he's the answer. When God had something to say to mankind, the Word, Jesus Christ, came forth. He was, uh, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He created all things. Uh, he was not created, He created all things. Um, and, I, and I'll get back to some of that in just a second, but let me go back to just keep introducing some more about John. Uh, I, I said that John's often called the, uh, John the Beloved. Uh, I love how he refers to himself throughout the Gospel of John. We call him John the Beloved because does anybody know how he would refer to himself in the Gospel of John? He's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, and somebody says, man, I, that doesn't quite seem fair that, G, that Jesus loved John more than the other disciples. I, I, the Bible does specify he's the disciple whom Jesus loved, but I really believe that the reason that Jesus loved him so much is that John loved him so much. Um, that's the answer. I mean, John, every time you see him, he's, uh, he's trying to be as close to Jesus as he can possibly get. Um, and so he's the, the, called the apostle whom Jesus loved. Uh, this was interesting. Now, when the Gospel of John was written, uh, remember, the, the Bible is not in chronological order. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 design, it's, it's laid out in an order that, uh, you know, kind of of relevant, not necessarily relevance, but, uh, but it's not in chronological order. So by the time the gospel of John was written, uh, the, 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 what was called the great Jewish revolt against Rome had already taken place in 66 AD. Uh, and this is, it's fascinating if you just put it into context. They were waiting for their deliverer, waiting for their deliverer, waiting for their deliverer. What happened? Their deliverer came, Jesus Christ, the Jews. They were waiting for their deliverer. But again, if you look in John, uh, let's see, 1, verse number 10, the Bible says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. So they did not accept his deliverer, or him as their deliverer. And of course, he wasn't going to deliver in the way they wanted to anyway, this first time that he came. Uh, but here's the thing. So later on, it's almost like Moses. It reminds me of Moses a little bit. Moses, we had that question earlier, uh, that Moses killed the Egyptian. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews more about that. Again, the Bible being the best commentary on the Bible. It tells us more about what was taking place there, because it tells us, that he was trying to deliver his brethren. He wanted to deliver that Hebrew from the Egyptians. Now, God had a plan to deliver the Hebrews from the Egyptians, 
But Moses got ahead of God in his timing. Uh, hello? Have you ever tried to get ahead of God in your timing? We are such arrogant beings, are we not? We are such arrogant beings. Uh, in, in, the, in the context of this universe, what really are we? Now, I know that we're valuable and we mean so much to God, but I wish we could just understand we are finite beings. Our knowledge is so limited. The most brilliant person you know, their knowledge is still extremely limited, especially in comparison to God Almighty. I mean, it's just like a spark compared to the blazing sun, and that doesn't even do justice. But here we are, and we think we can tell God when he ought to do something and how he ought to do something. And it's almost as, as if we demand it because, God, if you don't do this, I'm going to get mad at you. If you don't do this, I mean, what, what are we thinking? He is God, folks. Uh, but the Jews, they missed their time, as it were. So in 66 AD, they decided, okay, we'll deliver ourselves. We're going to revolt against Rome. And so from about 66 to 70 AD, they tried to fight against Rome. Uh, you kind of can probably figure how that turned out. Not so well. Uh, by the end of this, uh, the, Jerusalem was no longer the Jews' capital. By the way, when was the, uh, and, and it wasn't their capital officially, at least as recognized by the United States until last year. Ain't that something to think about? Or two years ago, uh, when it actually began, was actually recognized again. Just crazy to think about. But, but it brought an end to Jerusalem as the Jewish capital. The temple had been burned. Um, it was the beginning of another long exile for the Jews that started. All that was happening before John ever put his pen to paper. All that had already happened. Kind of interesting to think about. Um, they had no king but Caesar. They had no more temple sacrifices. They had no homeland. Uh, that's where the Jews were at when John began to write this gospel. So when John began to write the gospel of John, when he was inspired to write the gospel of John, the other three gospels were completed. The book of Acts was completed. All the epistles of, John, of Paul were completed, and Peter, and James. In other words, the only books, when, when, he, when he put his pen to paper, the only books that had not yet been written yet are the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. So that's the period of history we're in here. The Jews had seemingly as a nation, they'd already rejected Christ. They were already in a bad way. They were already in bad shape. But what was, what we, so by this time, it was becoming very, very obvious that what God was doing in the world was the church. The church, a combination of Jews and Gentiles that come together as one in Christ. And, and, and I, that may not be interesting to you, but I just think it's fascinating to think about that. The Gospel of John is mainly written uh, for the church, and it emphasizes the deity of Christ. So that's the theme, really, of the Gospel of John, that Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, I don't know how you, how, what you think about that or what your thoughts are, but I want you to be thinking about that. Jesus, God in the flesh. When we start talking about things like this, it can kind of get hard to reconcile a little bit because when we think of God, number one, how many gods are there? I mean, a true gods. 
There's only one God. The Lord is one. Amen. He is one God. Uh, that's something that the Jews, literally, they, there, there, was, there was hardly a Jewish person, and even still to this day, many of them, they, they, they say that the Lord is one, the Lord is one, the Lord is one. There's one God. Uh, and there's always been one God. But there's one God in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three in one. So when you start talking about these things, you're like, wait, I thought, I thought God was God, and I thought Jesus was the Son of God. Then I thought the Holy Spirit was the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, well, well, yes, amen, but, uh, but, but he's three in one. You say, I don't understand that. Well, let me just tell you something. I, 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 do, not, I do not expect today, uh, by the time you leave this class, for any of you to understand, as in the way that you can understand two plus two equals four, the Trinity, the triune God, the one God, the three persons. You know, we, we can talk about it. I think it's fascinating. I mean, uh, sometimes I... I don't necessarily put Kurt on the spot, but I mention Kurt a lot when I think about some of these things. But I think about within nature, all the times that you see three things that make up one in nature. In other words, you see it like in the plant and in, 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 in plants and different other uh, biology. You see three things making one. Um, you know, some people try to use the, the terminology. Oh, no, uh, the th three in one's a simple principle because you've got an egg. There's one egg, there's a shell, there's the uh, white, and there's the yolk. There's three in one. It's not that difficult, but that honestly doesn't do the same, does it? Because we know that these are different, uh, and, and, uh, but there's one egg. But still, it, it kind of tries to give you, I believe it still tries to give you an image of trying to understand that there's three in one. Uh, I heard somebody try to use the terminology, and I'm not talking so much about the Trinity. I'm going to focus mostly on the deity of Christ. But I'm just saying that it's hard for us to fathom and understand uh, how there's a triune God. But somebody tried to explain it this way, uh, that to where if you were to ask me, me the question, so Jesse, I heard you say that you're a father. Is that true? And I'd say, yes, that's true. But they said, but I thought you also mentioned that you were a son. And I thought you mentioned that you were a husband. You know, or, or, well, which one are you? Well, the answer is yes, I'm, I'm all three. Now, again, that doesn't perfectly explain uh, the Trinity, but just to put that out there. But the fact of the matter is, one thing I guess I'd, I'd like to present to you today is that the problem that some, even some Christians have a, have a problem with God. Some there, people have a lot of problems with God. But one of, the, one of the problems that some Christians have with God is that they want to be able to write it out. You know, and again, I use the example of 2 plus 2 equaling 4. I mean, they want to be able to do that with God. No, look, it's simple. Here's 2, here's 2. Combine them, 1, 2, 3, 4. Simple. That's what people want to do with God. But the problem with that is, is that every one of us, there has not been a man that's existed outside of the God-man that is not finite. Every one of us are finite. We, 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 we have a beginning, we have an end. There's not one of us that can truly comprehend eternity. There's not any of us that could truly comprehend everything coming from nothing. There's not any of us that can be like, yeah, I got that, no problem, that's simple. Um, and so what that leaves us to do is to say, you know what, I don't fully understand it, but I believe it. And much, much of the Christian life really isn't about blind faith. It's not. 
And this isn't about blind faith, I would say, because God has proven himself over and over again to be trustworthy. He has proven himself that he can be believed and trusted. So uh, I may not be able to understand all of these things, but one thing I do understand is if God said it, I can believe him and I can accept what he said. Um, so, but uh, the fact is that Jesus Christ truly is God in the flesh, the wonder of wonders. And that's the emphasis of the book of John. A couple of things about John. Over half of John's gospel is made up of the actual words of Jesus Christ. That's pretty interesting. Over half the words in John are the actual words of Jesus. And the discourses recorded are different from those in other Gospels. John also selected certain miracles of Jesus, which he set forth as signs of Christ's deity. And there again, it's, it's us not being able to believe, not being expected to believe something with no proof whatsoever. John, the miracles he records of Christ, he mentions them as a sign. He did this sign. He did that sign. And every one of them is, again, proving that I am deity, I am God, because nobody else could do these things. Um, John, this is interesting. Uh, you know, again, we saw this in some of the other Gospels, but it's interesting, the things that are in them, the things that aren't in them. John does not include the temptation in the wilderness in his Gospel. He does not include the agony in the garden. Now, don't misunderstand. It's not that John's trying to hide any of these things, but it just doesn't go with his theme. Because as God, um, the, Jesus being God in the flesh, those things aren't as significant. Now, the fact that he's man or whatever, those things do play more into it. But the fact that he's trying to emphasize he is God. Uh, there's no agony in the garden, no temptation in the wilderness. There's no genealogy. The only incidents that John records that are in common with the other gospel writers are the work of John the Baptist, the Last Supper, the anointing at Bethany, uh, the Passion or the Cross, the Resurrection, and two miracles. And the two miracles are the feeding of the 5,000 and walking on the Sea of Galilee. Um, all right, and so this is interesting. So, the Synoptic Gospels plays a great, great emphasis on Jesus Christ's ministry in Galilee. John concentrates more on Jerusalem and Judea. So this is why in John we have three different visits to feast. And, and, and often in John, Jesus is going to a Jewish feast because he's in Jerusalem. So since John is recording what's going on more in Jerusalem, where the other Gospel writers were out in Galilee... That's how we know because there's three different Passovers recorded. And so if it wasn't for John, if you just had the first three Gospels, you may again surmise that Jesus' ministry was a year. You could at least estimate that Jesus' ministry was a year um, just by the markers that you had. But John gives us these markers that show us that Jesus was around for three different Passovers, which lets us know that his earthly ministry was three, and then if you do the math on when he actually uh, was born and died, then it was three and a half years. Um, key words that I mentioned already, I mentioned light and life being two key words in the book of John and in John's writing. Another one that I forgot to mention was love. Life, light, and love. 
If you go through the Gospel of John, if you go through the epistles of John, look for those words, life, light, and love. Believe and witness are two other of his key words. These are prominent not only in, his, uh, in John and in the opening of John, but throughout the entire Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us a glimpse of the child born. But John tells us of the son given. For we read John 3, 16, For God so loved the world. John also highlights one of the purposes in writing um, is to present us with reactions to Christ. So in other words, when you go through, John, one of the things that John does in the interactions of Jesus Christ, because remember, if you think about the emphasis being to the church, you think about the emphasis not being to those of, of, of Jewish heritage exclusively or exclusively to Roman or Greek heritage, but just to everybody in general and to the church um, re, was reactions. John made it a point to record what Jesus said, what, what Jesus did, and then whether people believed it or rejected it. Because that's really, if you think about it, that's, what, that's what's been going on ever since Jesus came and really back beyond that. But you're given the gospel. You're trying to present light, light, life, light, and love. Here it is. What are you going to do with it? And then again, throughout the Gospels, you had people that believed, you had people that didn't believe. In John 4 or in John 3, you had Nicodemus who did not believe or did not accept Christ. But then in John 4, you had the woman at the well who did accept Christ and did believe on Christ. So throughout the Gospel, we see this pointed out. Um, now, when we talk about Jesus Christ, again, if that's the emphasis of the Gospel of John, I wonder what are your thoughts to Jesus Christ being God in the flesh? Uh, can you think of any verses or can you think, share any thoughts that you may have in reference to Jesus Christ being God in the flesh or the, the, the importance of that? I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I think I'll maybe share a couple and maybe until you, maybe someone else is ready. I've got several that I want to look at that tell us about Jesus Christ. This is a kind of a cool one. Look at Psalm. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Psalm. Uh, Psalm number 45, verses 6 through 7. Psalm 45. Give you a second to get over there. Since I'm still turning there. Psalm 45, and I want to read verses 6 and 7. All right. The Bible says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, if you go over to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 1, the Bible says in chapter 1, verse 8 of Hebrews, it says, it's quoting Psalm 45, and it says, But unto the Son he saith, and this is interesting, so God the Father speaks to God the Son, and here's what he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter 
of thy kingdom. So it's a quote of Psalms, but what it's showing is that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this. God the Father saying to God the Son, thy throne, O God, is, an, uh, is established forever. Also like Hebrews 1 verse 3, which kind of goes along a little bit with John chapter 1, Hebrews 1 verse 3, the Bible says, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the brightness of God's glory. He's the express image of his person. I think another, another way you could say that is this. And, and, and it goes to the fact that as I'm teaching, teaching and John is all about the deity of Christ, uh, folks, the, the deity of Christ is on. It's not controversial among those who are believers in Christ, but in the religious world, it's a pretty controversial uh, principle. Jesus Christ, though, in John, what did I say, John 14? Did I say John 14? Yeah, John 14, 9. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me? Philip, or uh, then he says, he, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest then, show us the Father? So just think about this. Think about just, just, just here you are, and you got the disciples, and you got Philip uh, in particular, and he says, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. We want to see the Father. And Jesus, in essence, says, you want to see the Father? You're looking at him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a pretty bold statement. I mean, it's, it's very, very clear that Jesus Christ claimed throughout the Word of God to be God in the flesh. Now, what would you do today if... if, if uh, if, if someone was, if you was to say, Jesse, we'd like to see the president. Who would like to see the president today? Anyway, who, I, I would like to see the president. What if I said, well, you're looking at him. If you've seen me, you've seen the president. Number one, you'd probably say, I hope not. Uh, number two, you'd probably say, dude, if you believe that, you're crazy. And so, uh, can, can you think of some pretty well-known religions, cults, if you will, who do not believe that Jesus is God. How about we just do that? Can you think of any uh, well-known uh, religions or whatever that do not believe that Jesus is God? Yeah, Islam is one of them. What's that? Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, Jehovah's Witness do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. Yeah, Mormons are another one. Um, uh, Buddhist you know we, we could go on and on and, and therefore by the way you know Buddhist is, is, is in, Buddhism is, uh, is kind of an interesting thing because there's almost a sense in which you can be a Buddhist and an atheist at the same time it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating religion and Kurt can help me with some of my terminology here if I'm overstating something but it's, it's a fascinating religion and I'm just, I'm, the reason I'm saying that is that that is what um, it's a pretty popular religion today because it's like man wants to be religious. Did you realize that? Uh, but so a lot of people gravitate to this because basically you can still live and do whatever you want to do, uh, with, which is what people are looking for, which is why a lot of people go to Satanism. But the, I'm, I'm, what I was trying to get to hurriedly is to say this. New Age, what's called the New Age movement has been a super popular movement in our country. Uh, 
you know, for some time now, but it really gained ground, I would say, probably in the 60s and 70s and on up to this day to where the New Age movement is a very popular. And New Age does not mean it's, it, the New Age movement does not speak of, I'll see you, Ralph. The, the New Age movement does not speak of it being a new thing. It's people who are waiting for a new age, uh, which it, it's, it's, it's an Eastern uh, mystic type of religion and faith. And so I'm saying all that to say there's a connection to that and Buddhism. That, 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 that's, it's the same sort of Eastern mysticism. I'm saying all that to say that they, of course, do not believe that Jesus is God. But one of the interesting things about the religions of the world um, that do not believe that Jesus Christ is God is that pretty much every one of them say, at the very least, he was a good man. At the very least, they say he was a good man. Now, Ralph, that may be a good place to jump in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'll just say that out loud and i and i uh, I just I almost just want to say me too and move on, <laughs> but 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 I, because here's the thing, going back to the earlier point, not everything is two plus two equals four. Some things you'd say, yep, he said it. Don't know, but he's he's right. Uh, but the, what he said was Jesus, God in the flesh, uh, the omniscient, the omnipresent, this one. You know, when you come back, Lord, I, I don't know. Only the Father knows that. You know, how do you reconcile that? Uh, I don't know exactly how you reconcile that. There's probably some other answers. Uh, but, it, but, but just briefly, I'll just say that I believe that part of it is uh, that as God, can he choose to say, you know what? I'm not going to put that in my... I'm not going to know that Kurt's looking at me. Uh, I don't know. There's different ways. And some people say, well, he, while he was here in the flesh as a man, he couldn't understand and he didn't know when. But now that he ascended to heaven, he, he of course, knows now. There's those that would say that. Um, the biggest answer I would say is I do not know. But because uh, I don't have another verse to just say, oh, no, because over here, blah, 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 blah. Kurt, you got a smirk. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I don't know about you, but it's, uh, I feel like with Kurt there, it's almost, sometimes you, you know, you find an acceptable place to stand, but then sometimes when you start saying it out loud, you're just like, yeah, that doesn't really do it. Point I'm just trying to make, again, is that I don't really know. God knows. He understands. Uh, but how about this, though? This is another, another one, and I, and I want to move on in, uh, in a minute, just a minute from this, but uh, how about the fact that the Bible says that Think about this. One of the reasons that Jesus became man is he had, to, he had to come to learn and know as God, he didn't know what it was to be hungry in the way that we're hungry, to be sleepy in the way that we're sleepy. He became a man, so there's got to be something to that, right? And I know that literally he became man so that he would be able to sympathize with us. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, but, that, but it is a great question. And, you know, I, I want to just add one more thing there. I haven't studied that verse in a, like a really long time. I know the verse. Uh, but I'll say that there's some, there's some of these passages and verses uh, that and I'm not saying this is one of them, but there's some of them that we read with, with our understanding, with our knowledge, and what I want to say is even of the language. To where do we read into it a little bit deeper and do we see, oh, the way the word know is, you know, I don't, I don't know, the Father knows, but the way the word know is used right there is not the way we understand the word know. It means blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Um, but I will say that regardless, the, the, the point is, is that Jesus definitely claimed to be God. We've kind of already said that. The Bible says he's God. Uh, but but I, one reason I just like to bring this one point up is that it brings a, it brings a good opportunity because, again, World religions generally don't put down Jesus. It's interesting. They generally do not put down Jesus. I, I, you know, I think uh, uh, Buddhists, uh, Hindus, they say Jesus was a good man. Hindu, I think Hindus may be even willing to accept that, you know, because uh, that he was just another manifestation, you know, because they believe that, yeah, demigod, that there's a bunch of different manifestations. You know, some, some people say, what, well, it's a million gods that uh, Hindus believe in. But in a sense, they believe it's all manifestation of uh, a different manifestation of, of one God, uh, whatever. But they try to say he's a good man. Uh, the, 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 it's, it's, it's amazing that the uh, Islam goes as far as to say he was a prophet. That's interesting. He was a prophet. Uh, you know, so, wow, that's great. Um, but the thing is that, uh, and, and it was, it was, it's a cool thing, and it was made famous, and you've heard me say it before, um, but uh, Josh McDowell, uh, Josh McDowell's a, he, he's a pretty neat figure. He's, a, he's, a, he's an apologist. He, um, man, dude's got to be 80 by now. I, just, I got to meet him and hear him speak just a couple years ago in Sioux City. Uh, but Josh McDowell was... Uh, uh, had a really rough life coming up as a kid, but uh, one of his things as a kid is he did not believe in going into college. He did not believe in God. He was an atheist, um, and he did not believe in Jesus Christ, and he did not believe that Jesus was who he said that he was. I love these stories. There's a thousand of them. Josh McDowell goes, go, goes into college with this. Uh, I, I can't remember the college he was in, but there was, a, there was definitely a, a large Christian influence in this college that he went to. And he was kind of getting sick of it, and he got tired of it. So he started, he, he set out, he said, I'm, he's, he's a pretty brilliant man. He's like, I'm going to write. 
I'm going to write a thesis. I'm going to write a book on why Christianity is a fraud and why Jesus Christ is a fake. Maybe a historical figure, but not some savior. I'm going to write, that's what I'm going to do. Only something happened. This man, because anybody, anybody who sets out on that path, if that person's goal is to discover truth, what happened to Josh McDowell is going to happen to them. Now, if that person's goal is to try to maintain their agenda and, and, and deny truth because they've already, got, they've already predetermined that no matter what, I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe, they may continue to be an atheist or, or they may develop themselves into an agnostic of sorts. Uh, but if you're honest, what will happen to you? Is it, it's an awesome thing. You can still get the book today. It's still a good book. And it's uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. That's the name of the book. Some of you are familiar with it. Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, and, he, and he wrote this book, and he's just like, but he literally started out writing that book so that everybody would shut up about Christianity, so that people would shut up. Here's the evidence. Here's the proof. Enough already. But before it was over with, he ended up getting saved, and now he's been an evangelist for like the last, what, close to 60 years of his life. He's been trying to uh, pre present the gospel to others, but one of the big things that he popularized, and you'll hear it often, you'll hear me say it from time to time, uh, I'm sure people perhaps said it before him, but he, he was one that really popularized just making a distinction there. Is Jesus, because then there was just a smaller book that he wrote, More Than a Carpenter, but it's, it's connected to the same idea. And he said, uh, okay, you want to say Jesus is a good man? You want to say Jesus is a prophet? Uh, would a good man let you worship him and follow him and die because you're proclaiming that he's the only way and he's the Savior? Would a good man go around telling people that he is God? that He is the Creator, that He is the Father. Look at me. You want to see the Father? You want to see the Father God? Look at me. You're looking at Him. Uh, is that what good men go around doing? Do good men going around misleading thousands initially? Millions ultimately? Is that what good men do? Uh, well, then He can't be a good man because a good man would never do that if, if He's just a good man. Well, no, no, he's a prophet. Well, would a prophet do that? If, if a prophet's saying those things about himself, if he's a true prophet, that means he's also God. So he can be a good man and say those things as long as he's accurate in what he's saying, and he can be a good prophet and say that he's God as long as he is God because he was a man and he was a prophet, but he's also God. So you, you, you do not, you cannot say that he's a good man, but he's not God. And you cannot say that he's a prophet, but he's not God, because he's either, he's either, <laughs> he's either God or a liar. Or he's either God or he's a ravening lunatic. But he's not a good man and not God. He's not a prophet and not God. He's one of the other. So, so Joshua Dow is the one that popularized kind of that little line of reasoning there. Oh, man alive. Ended up going a minute over. Uh, I had a lot more I wanted to share. What I was hoping to share, or what I, I guess I just had prepared to share, was uh, I, had, uh, I was going to mention some of the times that Jesus Christ appeared in the Old Testament. Um, 
Then I was also going to mention some passages that are said in the Old Testament, definitely talking about God that we're familiar with, but then they're said in the New Testament, the same passage is quoted, speaking directly to Christ. I shared one of those with you. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I, I went a little bit over, but are there any, uh, any quick closing questions or comments or clarifications, Emily? Yes. Man, I wish Dory was here. I know she could answer that. Is there anybody else? That, oh, maybe Rachel. Do you know? Uh, growing up Catholic, why, why Catholics do Father? And I don't know the white right way. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, however it goes. Anybody know that? Uh, I bet Doria, I bet she might be able to answer that question. I, and I've heard it before, but because uh, um, I know we got several Catholics in the, you know, former Catholics in the church, but the thing about Catholicism is uh, one thing you know about Catholicism, sometimes you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But and here's the thing where here's the thing that's just it's it's dumbfounding. The whole thing is it's the whole Well we will try to sing for God's glory this morning. Uh, just pray for us as we sing. Um, I'm a little nervous always, and then she's nervous when she's playing and singing. So just pray <laughs> that uh, God will get us through this, because he's the one that does it.
Who am I? I tell you, he's somebody that, that, that he loved, amen? We're going to dismiss the junior church at this time. Listen, we've got from, so junior church is uh, from ages, what, 5 to 10, I believe. Uh, so, uh, man, they have a great time back in junior church. The only problem, parents, if you send them back there, they may not want to leave <laughs> at, uh, when we dismiss at 11 or somewhere in that neighborhood. All right, so uh, junior church, and so you ought to head back, buddy. I'm telling you, you'd have a good time. But if not, listen, they're welcome to stay, amen? We've got uh, infant nursery, we've got toddler nursery. Uh, you're welcome to take your kids back to there. You're welcome to leave them in here, amen? I love kids in church, uh, and so uh, that's a blessing. All right, well, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I wish you would turn to the Gospel of John. I'm going to be preaching a, a number of uh, verses to you this morning, so... Uh, I hope maybe you have, uh, have, I hope you have your Bible with you, or I hope that you have a place to be able to mark uh, some verses down that you can look up later. Now, I want you to imagine if we, it with me just for a moment, if you have, if having someone in your life, imagine having someone in your life who knows everything about you, everything you've ever done, everything that you've ever thought. Do you have anybody like that, by the way? Truth is, we don't. You, you, you may be married for a number of years. You don't have anybody in your life that actually knows everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought, uh, right? Nobody really knows that, but I know one who does. But there's, imagine having someone who, in your life who knows everything you've ever done, every thought that you've ever had, and still loves you. And still loves you, all right? Uh, and wants to hang out with you. Uh, I think I'm a pretty decent guy to hang out with, but not everybody wants to hang out with me all the time. I can get annoying. I can get boring. Whatever. But so not everybody wants to be around me all the time. And I would dare say you may be the same way. But there's somebody who knows me, every thought I've ever had, everything I've ever done, and, uh, and, and still loves me and wants to hang out with me, wants to be around me all the time. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's an amazing friend. Imagine having a friend who never gets tired of you and every, a friend who every time you have a problem wants you to call them. Imagine having a friend like that. I don't know if we have any friends like that. Uh, I, I, I believe I actually probably got a few, amen, like that. But I think even after a while I could get on Ralph's nerves, man. Uh, I've got a problem, Ralph. Need your help. But imagine having a friend like that. Every time you have a problem, they want you to call them. Not only that, this friend will also promise to provide whatever your needs are. They've promised to provide for your every need. They're not even asking for anything really out of the relationship outside of you be with them. And I say all that because if you can imagine what kind of friend that could be, and then for me to be able to tell you today that this is the kind of friend that you can find in Jesus Christ. Anybody say amen right there? Ain't that wonderful? This is the kind of friend that you uh, find in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's good to understand this morning the, the, the person who Jesus is in the Word of God, especially in regards to the thought that I want to share with you in just a moment today. Do you remember when Jesus... Uh, was born or he was to be born and he was told uh, I believe it was told to Mary in Matthew chapter 1 uh, verse 23 where the Bible says behold a virgin shall be with child uh, and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us 
So the whole reason for Christmas, if you will, or part of the reason, is God wanted to be with us. But we could, do, we could say without doing any harm to the truth of the passage and say God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. But He came to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, so that He could go to the cross, down the cross, rise again the third day, so that He could be God in us or God in you. Okay? So I want to preach to you a little bit today and continue and really give you the last in the series of messages that we've been preaching about four distinct prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the the anointed one, the promised one. See, whether you realize it or not, Jesus was promised in the Bible going all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, chapter number 3. And it was promised that Jesus would come. In fact, we have an idea from that verse, that there's going to be something really special about this child because he's going to be the seed of woman, which gives us the idea that he's going to have a supernatural birth from God the Father. So we find out something very interesting. And throughout the Old Testament, the Old Testament is building toward the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it tells us, uh, but, but, but with Jesus Christ, he has a few different ministries. Does anybody in here wear a few different hats? Uh, if you know what I mean, I don't mean like literal hats. I, I mean that, that you have several different titles, several different jobs, you know, that you do. You're, uh, you, you, you're, you're a student, uh, you're an employee, you're a friend, you know, you, you have different hats you wear. Well, Jesus had different hats and four distinct and specific prophecies concerning Jesus Christ was that he was going to be uh, a few different things. And every time that he was announced what he would be, it's announced with the word behold, which means look. Look away from everything else. Pay attention to this. Behold, the Bible says, behold your king. That's what we preached last week. Behold your king. But he also said, said, behold the man. And he said, behold the man, behold my king. And then he says, behold my servant. So Jesus came coming. He was coming as a king. He was coming as a man, which meant he was going he, he to know what it was like to live life and, and go through the things that we go through so that he could be a faithful priest and a faithful friend to us. And then also that he was going to be the servant, not our servant, but the servant of Jehovah. He came to finish a work. And that's what the Bible says he did on the cross. Remember what he cried? It is finished. But then today, we're going to preach on the final of those four distinct prophecies about Christ. Behold your God, Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible Bible says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But the Bible continues to say, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Now understand the word wonderful right there. We use it a lot. Uh, We use the word wonderful. But that word, when it's used in the Bible right there, really wonderful, only God could fulfill what it means to be wonderful. Because it's just literally saying totally undescribable. Totally beyond human comprehension. Just full of wonder. Wonderful. He shall be called wonderful. Counselor. Notice this. What else will he be called? the mighty God and the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is Emmanuel. 
God with us. So Jesus Christ is the child born, the son given, but he's also the mighty God. The, the word mighty God right there comes from the Hebrew word El Gabor. It's, it's, a, it's a combination word. El meaning God, Gabor meaning mighty. The word El, which means God, but it's the singular form of the word Elohim, the one true God. The Gospel of John, where I told you to turn earlier, presents Jesus as God manifest in the flesh, Emmanuel. The Bible says in John verses 1 and 2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So he is Emmanuel, God with us. So he is El, then he's Gabor, he is mighty. The other part, which means strength, power. How about this? Hero. <laughs> he's my hero. It means strength. It means power. It means hero. That's what Gabor means. That's what mighty means. What a statement. Jesus is a hero. <laughs> Amen. And truly, he is one who is unparalleled. The Bible says that as you continue in John 1 there, verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16 says, for by him were all, three, all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him. I just want to let you know today, I'm just wanting to brag on Jesus today is what, I, was my, what my goal is. I want to get your mind off of whatever is big in your life right now and get it on somebody that's a lot bigger. Amen. See, we got a tendency. By the way, what you look at is a lot of times what we focus on and what seems to be, oh my goodness. You've got a problem, you've got an issue, and you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I want to tell you about one who today who cares about you knows you, loves you, he's Emmanuel, he's God with you, and I'm telling you, what you'll find out is that he's enough, amen? He is God Almighty. And so, does anybody know the name of the apostle that got the reputation for being a doubter? Thomas, that's right. Thomas got the reputation for being a doubter. But what I hope, anybody in here ever doubt? Anybody here ever get, 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 get distracted by the things of this world, whether it's ourselves or circumstances or whatever it may be? Well, that's kind of how Thomas was. But what I'm hoping today, my goal is for you to have kind of a Thomas moment, not the doubting part, uh, but the part when the resurrected Christ appears to Jesus, uh, or uh, the, the resurrected Christ, I'm sorry, appears to the apostles and Remember, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I can touch him. He, 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 I got to touch him. I, I'm not going to believe. But then Jesus said, okay, Thomas, you see the scars in my hands and your feet, in my feet? Put, put, your, put your finger through the scars in my hands if you, if you need to touch me. But there was something happened to where Thomas's faith was activated as he put his eyes on Jesus. And here's what he said. This was a life-changing moment in this believer's life when he looked at Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And what I hope today is that you will see Jesus, who He is. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the Lord your God. See, when you follow Jesus throughout the New Testament, you'll see Jesus flexing throughout the Gospels. You'll see Him flex and show His power over nature. Folks, He walked water and He calmed the seas. 
You'll see His power over disease as He healed all manner of sickness. There was nothing too hard for Him. There was nothing daunting for the Lord Jesus Christ, and there still isn't. We see when He walked the earth, He had power over demons. He had power over sin. When He was tempted, God gave Him victory over sin. He had power over death. We want to know something. He had power over death. He had power over the grave. See, when you think about Jesus, Herod really couldn't kill him. The Bible says, no man, Jesus said, no man taketh my life from me. I lay it down willingly. You couldn't kill him. Herod couldn't kill him. Not only could Herod not kill him, death couldn't handle him. He died. But three days later, he rose again, amen? And therefore, the grave couldn't hold him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Throughout the course of his public life, Christ revealed his divine might in ways that were not only undeniable, they were unparalleled. The Jesus Christ, what I'm saying, your Lord and your God, if you're saved here today, and if you don't know him today, he wants to know you. He wants to know you. He wants you to be his. He wants to be your savior. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be the Lord God Almighty manifested in your life. It's a pretty awesome thing. See, Jesus Christ, folks, he is the centerpiece of civilization. He is unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is supreme. He's preeminent. He's the grandest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of historic theology. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes, and His grace is sufficient. Moses, in the book of Exodus, spoke to God Almighty. And if you can imagine, can you imagine when Moses was walking through the, the, the wilderness tending his father's sheep, and all of a sudden he saw a bush burning. Now, it's not, not unusual to see a bush burning, but there was something unusual because this bush was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. So here it is, a bush is on fire. And so he goes to check the bush, and when he gets over there, all of a sudden a voice comes out of the bush. You know the story, right? Moses and the burning bush. And uh, as Moses began to talk to the bush, and he wasn't really talking to the bush, he was talking to God. You ever talk to a bush? Don't talk to bushes, amen? But, you, but, uh, but if it talks, I guess if it talks to you, you can talk back. But, but in this case, it was God speaking through this bush uh, to Moses. And if you remember the exchange, and I'll remind you just in case you don't, in the discourse, God revealed a very mighty name to Moses. A name that would, be, that would speak and reveal a very simple name, an unusual name, but it would reveal a little bit about the person of God. Moses said in Exodus 3.13, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and tell them, The God of your fathers hath sent me, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? And here's what God said to Moses. So he, so he wants to know. I'm going to come say, and I'm going to speak to the children of Israel. I'm going to tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And, uh, and they're going to say, well, what's your God's name? Here's what the Lord said to tell them. Here's what God said. I am that I am. 
Tell them that I am that I am sent you. Amen. I am has sent you. See, I am, that's an unusual name, isn't it? I am. I am is a clear declaration of a statement of who God is, the self-existent God. And so I titled my message today, The I Am Is Enough. The I Am Is Enough. Because when we get our eyes off of the I am, and we get our eyes on everything going on around us, sometimes we begin to doubt, and we begin to lose faith, and we begin to lose hope. But if we can just keep our eyes and remember and know just who Jesus is, just who this friend who wants to walk with you and help you, this friend that you could never bug or get on his nerves or annoy, this friend, just what kind of friend he is. This friend who came to give his life on Calvary, this friend, the Bible says, who sticks closer than a brother, I'm just wanting to try to tell you today a little bit about this friend of ours, amen? It tells who he really is. The I am that I am is kind of like it sounds. I am that I am, I am because I am. I'm the self-existent God. I was, I was a God that was not created by any other force. I've always been. I'm self-existent. Somebody says, what was God doing a million years ago? I mean, if there was no time and no man, well, he was working in the service today. See, because with God, there is no I was, and there's really not an I will be, but the Bible tells us that our God inhabits all eternity. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm, y'all, y'all, y'all pray for me. I'm, I'm trying to be dignified, but I might just shout before it's over with. Because, see, for you and I, we're all all finite beings. All we see of time is what we have. We can look back at time. We can wonder ahead at what may come tomorrow. But if if the beginning of this is, if this is the beginning of time, and down over here is the end of time, God can see all that at the same time. So even before this time, God was before time. But since God is not in the restraints of time, God can work at any time He wants to. God always is. He is the self-existent God. He is the omnipresent God. He is everywhere at one time. And uh, He is light. Amen? Now, in the Gospel of John, Jesus made a very interesting statement. So keep in mind, Emmanuel, God with us. Keep in mind, who shall I say sent me? The I Am sent you. The I Am that I Am sent you. Now, in John chapter 8, verse 58... Jesus is having a conversation with uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. And they're questioning who he is. They're trying to trip him up. They're asking, uh, who does he think he is? And where does he uh, belong from? And they're claiming Abraham as their father. And on down the line it goes. But Jesus makes a very interesting statement to them. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, truly, truly. I'm saying this for emphasis. I'm saying something. That, I'm, that, is, uh, that is a matter of fact. And here's what he said. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus wasn't using bad English. Amen. Before Abraham was, I am. What was he saying? He's saying what we read there in the Gospel of John. There's no genealogy in the book of, in the Gospel of John because John is not emphasizing the fact that he was born of a virgin like is emphasized in Luke. 
John is not emphasizing that he was born of the royal line and as the, the, the right, rightful king, as Matthew does. No, he's letting us know this is God with us. This is God manifest in the flesh, as the Bible says. So Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. See, Jesus has always been, and he always will be. Jesus had no predecessor, and he will have no successor. Throughout the Gospel of John, there are seven other times that Jesus uses the I am in his statement about himself. The declarations tell us who Jesus is. It tells us about his character and his purpose. And I want to give those to you quickly this morning. Number one, in John 6, 35, Jesus made this statement. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. I'm the bread of life. I am. I am the bread of life. See, when you think of bread, when the Bible speaks of bread especially, it's talking about just our, the necessity of food, the, the necessity of our physical needs. Just as physical bread sustains us physically, Jesus, he's the bread of life that came down from heaven. And by the way, that's a reference to the Old Testament when the manna came down. I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven, and I'm here to sustain your spiritual needs. You know, there's a lot of hungry and thirsty people in this world. There's a lot of lonely and sad people in this world. There's people that are looking and trying to fill themselves with something. But I'm telling you, they're coming up empty. You know why? Jesus is the bread of life. I am the bread of life, it says. So as the bread of life, Jesus comes to sustain us. Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. But I'm telling you, he's not here just to provide for our physical needs. He's here to provide spiritual nourishment and strength. Folks, isn't it awesome? I don't know about you, but you're looking at a very, you're looking at a person who has been sustained. You're looking at a person who is full. Uh, and uh, not only am I physically full, I had a good breakfast, but even if I didn't have a good breakfast, you want to know something today? I am full spiritually. You're not looking at somebody who's starving after the things of this world. You're not looking at a person, may I say. You're not looking at a person that looks out at Hollywood or somewhere and looks at the lives of the rich and famous and thinks, if I could only have that. No, no. You're looking at a person that's full today. You're looking at a person who's sustained. Why? It's, it's, it's not because I'm rich and it's not because I'm famous, but boy, it's, it's because I know the I am. Amen? I know the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Therefore, we don't have to hunger. And he actually continues on to say we don't have to thirst. I am the bread of life. I am the one who will sustain you. I am the one. It, can anybody testify that Jesus Christ really satisfies? Ain't it good to, get, ain't it good to be satisfied? I mean, you, you know those times when you're really hungry, and i got to be careful because some of y'all probably didn't eat breakfast. They are getting hungry. Um, but when you're just hungry, and I mean, and sometimes you may even pass being hungry and be hungry. That's even, that's a step further near starvation. And uh, you, you need some food, man. And you finally get something you've been craving. Now, have you ever done that and you've been really hungry, then you go eat a bunch of junk and you don't feel good afterwards and you don't really feel, you feel like you've got something taken care of, but it don't last very long or you feel bad? Well, that's kind of what sin in the world offers all the time. Are you hungry? Man, party. 
Are you hungry? Do whatever you can to get as many likes and shares on social media as you possibly can. That'll satisfy you. That's what the world says. But it don't work. See? But in Jesus Christ, you can have true satisfaction. Amen? You can really be full. So, so he says, I'm the bread of life. Psalm 107, verse 9, the Bible says, For he satisfieth, listen to this, hallelujah, for he satis satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. <laughs> Ain't that good? Has anyone found Jesus to be the bread of light, bread of life in their life today? Well, if not, y'all need to get saved, amen? Uh, listen, Jesus will satisfy you. He will fill your longing, all right? He said, I'm the bread of life. Not only that, but he said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Folks, we know, we preached about this a couple weeks ago, light is essential. Light is essential for life and growth. Without light, plants will not grow. There will be no warmth. There will be no life. Without light, we would be in darkness, unable to see. But folks, Jesus is the light of the world. He offers to take people out of darkness. Folks, this age is dark. There's a lot of people who are lost. There's a lot of people who are blind. There's a lot of people who are disenfranchised. And, and, and there's people who don't really see much hope for living. And sadly, as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're seeking after some of the wrong things. But folks, Jesus Christ, hallelujah, brings light into our lives. Without light, you can't see, can you? You need light, you need light to be able to see things clearly and see things for uh, what they really are. And so I'm glad that light that Jesus Christ brings into our life and into our hearts today. I'm so glad when he brought me out of darkness, he'll bring you out of darkness. He'll bring you out of despair. The Bible speaks about a pit of darkness. And I'm telling you, sin can bring you down into a dark pit. But I'm glad, hallelujah, that Jesus will blaze a light into your prison. Amen? He'll, he'll let your chains fall off. He'll set you free today. He is the light of the world. He also said this in John 10, verse 9. I am the door. I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Folks, Jesus Christ is the door. He's the door that's open to you if you'll just simply come to Him. Amen. He's the door just for you to walk through. So, see, some people think that it's cruel that God would only provide one way to heaven. I, I'd say that's very merciful of God. Amen. Because there it is. It's one way. It's Christ. It's the door that you can walk through. I, he said, I am the door. He said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Folks, Jesus is the resurrection. He is the life. Jesus proved again and again that he had power over death. He from the grave he raised others from the grave he himself was resurrected from the grave and the bible says that before we know christ as our savior it says we were dead in trespasses and sins but god who is rich in mercy for his great love his great love wherewith he loved us Wherewith He loved us, folks. He shined in our hearts, amen. He gave us the opportunity of salvation, for by grace are you saved. Folks, He is the resurrection and the life. Listen, I just, I just started living, really, when I got saved. Isn't it sad? I understand it. A lot of people think, man, I don't want religion. 
I don't want to be a part of a church. I'm trying to live it up and have a good time. I understand that because there's some religions that are just flat out dead. And religion is just flat out dead. But I want to tell you something. In Jesus you find life. <laughs> I was trying to live it up in this world before I got saved. But man, I didn't know what living was until I met Jesus. I didn't know what living was until Jesus came into my life. Amen. I just started living. See, Jesus said, I've come, I've come uh, that, the, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants to give you real life. When you become a Christian, when you, when you become a true Christian, when I say true, I just mean your faith is in Christ, not in church or not your own works, but it's in Christ. Listen, what you find out is you find life. You find out like, the, uh, like John Newton wrote, I was blind, but now I see how that we were dead, but now we're living. Jesus Christ is the resurrection. Man, He gives life. I would not trade, <laughs> I would not trade it for anything. You know, I, I say that and I laugh because I just look back to when I was always trying to get high. I was trying to get high, then I was trying to get higher back in the day. I would party, but then I'd just try to party harder back in the day. Because I thought, well, man, this is fun. Crash down again. All right, let's, let's, go, at it again. let's go at it harder this time. I, I, I want to live, man. I'm trying to live. But it just kept disappointing, disappointing, disappointing. <laughs> oh, man. But the day that I trusted Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. I remember it. And I, listen, salvation is not about feeling. It's about faith. But I want to tell you, I just remember the day I got saved. I got saved at my friend's house. Uh, I've taken uh, my family, every, every time I go back to North Carolina, if we're in Gastonia, uh, just about every time, if I don't take my family there, I'll go by there myself, but I've taken my family by there often. Uh, this little neighborhood that, you, that I wouldn't take them in, probably in the dark, uh, but it's the neighborhood I was in, and up on this little house, up in this little house called, and, and it used to be called a mill village, but I was sitting on a couch at probably two or three in the morning, as I was reading the gospel of John that I'm preaching out of today. And I had heard the gospel, how that Jesus Christ died, rose again, and so forth. I, I believed that my whole life. But then I went and heard that preached at a funeral, and I'm telling you, I heard that truth, and something got stirred in my heart. It was like the preacher just wasn't preaching to my head. It's like, man, he's preaching to my heart. But I found out it wasn't the preacher, because the preacher can't preach to the heart, but the Holy Spirit of God can speak to the heart. And, and, and he convicted me, and he began to draw me. He began to, uh, and so, but, but I, I'm reading the gospel, and I remember the, the, the moment when I put my faith and trust in Christ, when I believed on him, when I asked him to be my savior, I remember actually getting up off the couch. And I'm like, man, now, it's not by feelings, okay? This, this experience and feeling doesn't have to accompany everybody, but it's almost like I had a sense of a couple things. Number one, I had a sense that I had been carrying a heavy weight on me that just got lifted off, the burden of sin. And I had something else, too. I had the sense of, wait a second, this is what I was looking for. In the drugs, in the partying, in, 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 the, in the living it up, quote, unquote, this is it. And it's not a thing, it's a person, this is, it's Jesus. And, uh, and, and man, I, and I, I've, let me tell you something, that's been... Many moons ago now, uh, I, I can't remember the math. I really want to say it's been 29 years ago, but that's impossible because I'm just like 30, right? Uh, but uh, 
But 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 there I am, and I and 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 I can remember. I can one. You know, one of the things I remember specifically. I remember being really excited that I was saved. I really do. I remember being really excited that my sins were forgiven. I was in a good Bible preaching church, and uh, and I, I happened to be. Some people say, "Oh, you were in a Southern church, and they're more lively." Not all Southern churches are lively. Let me tell you something. But I, I I'm glad that I was in a, a Southern church that happened to be lively. By the way, I believe that's biblical. By the way, it's not just Southern. It's not just cultural. I believe it's a biblical thing. People say, you don't understand, preacher. This is the Midwest. Uh, we don't get all excited and emotional about that. Watched a Green Bay game lately? I would say Vikings, but they're just crying. Amen. <laughs> they're sad. But, uh, but a green, and I, and, and, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Man, I, I remember, uh, man, uh, the, the night, this was sometime after I was saved, and I was in, I, by, by the way, I got in church. You couldn't keep me away from church, by the way. I got in church. The doors were open. I was in church, man, all the time. I just, I, church. Oh, somebody's having church over here? Uh, man, you know, they're, they're having church in Sioux Falls. I'm going up there. They're having a revival there. I want to go see, hear the revival, hear the other preacher. It's like, in church, all I could get in church. I don't think I'd be here today if I wasn't that way, by the way. Uh, but I was in church just all the time, just loving it. But I, went to, I happened to go to this revival meeting. And, uh, and so during this revival meeting, the Rochester family was there singing. Now, this, we, we have the, the Brady Rochester family come, but this is his, his brother, sister, mom, and dad were in this particular group singing. Son, they got to singing, and my heart got to stirring. Anybody ever had that? I know some of you have. I've had people, I've had people in church before, and they, they've, they've left saying, Preacher, I just about stood up and shouted hallelujah. I just, why, why didn't you? Amen, that's right. I mean, why not? And, uh, but that's why I was like, why didn't you? Well, here I was, sitting right up here on the front row, about the second chair in, and, man, my heart got disturbed, and I started getting excited, and it just felt like something was welling up right into here. Next thing you know, I just went, woo! I was excited. Again, don't judge me. Don't judge me no more than you would judge somebody at the not the Vikings, but the Packers or the, or the, or the Chiefs. I, I don't really care. I don't like any of those jokers. I, mean, I like the Panthers. And so uh, we really got something to be excited about. Uh, so you understand I'm not picking on that. But here's what I'm trying to say. Don't, don't judge me over that no more than you'd judge any of those fools. Amen. Uh, my goodness, they're out there without no shirts on today in the middle of, of winter, okay? Uh, and I might just do that just to show you how big of a fan I am before it's over with today, all right? Uh, I'm just excited. And so there I am up on the front row, and, and I just start shouting. The preacher gets up and preaching. Man, I start shouting. And by the time that service was over, me and my buddy was there, and we got home. And uh, well, by, by the time we left, church and i'm just like man that was a blessing my was hoarse i had shouted my voice gone the last time i had shouted myself hoarse I, i've told some of y'all this before, the last time i had shouted myself hoarse was at a hank jr concert <laughs> but i was shouting for hank that was before i knew christ but then i got saved and now i'm shouting for jesus amen and, but I remember, it was our song leader who brought us to church. And I, I mean, I thank God for Brother Richard to this day. Great man of God. Godly man. But we got in, and I can remember driving home, and he, he looks back at me and says, well, you boys, uh, uh, I was 16, uh, maybe getting close to 17. He says, man, you boys had a good time tonight, didn't you? And we're like, oh, yeah, man, that was awesome. You know, that was just, whoo, man, it's good to be saved. He's like, well, he said, you enjoy that. That won't last for very long. That won't last for very long, and I didn't know any better. He knew more than me, so I literally thought it didn't discourage me at all. 
I just thought to myself, well, I'm just going to enjoy it as long as it lasts. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's been 29 years. Woo! I'm still excited. I'm still glad I'm saved. I have life. I have something to shout about. I have purpose. I have, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm a child of the King. I know the great I am. The Creator walks with me. He loves me. He cares about me. You say, oh, preacher, everything must be good. No, I didn't ever say everything was good. I said God's good, amen. I didn't, oh, preacher, you must think you're something up there shouting and carrying on. I don't think I'm something. The reason I'm up here carrying on is because I think he's something and I'm not. And he still walks with me and loves me and cares about me. Get your eyes off of your failures. Get your eyes off of your sin. Get your eyes off of D.C. for a little while. Get your eyes off the CDC for a little while. Hey, get your eyes on Jesus, amen. The great I am. So, I'm still excited, amen. I really am. The, the, the Bible says, I'm the, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, I'm the good shepherd. Oh, the Bible says, the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep, John 10, 11. You think about that. He gave his life for me. Now, there may be a lot of people say, Preacher, you're not worth a whole lot, and there may be some truth to that to some extent, but I must be worth something. You want to know why? <laughs> because how much Jesus was willing to pay for me. I must be some kind of valuable for what Jesus was willing to pay for me. He loved me that much. The good shepherd, why? Because the wages of sin is death. So the Emmanuel came, God with us, so that He might go to the cross, die for our sins, and dwell not only with us, but within us. He laid down His life for you and for me. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8 that God commendeth His love toward us. He proved His love toward you in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want to tell you today, there are no means of measure that can define His limitless love to you and I. There's no far-seeing telescope that can bring into visibility the coastline of the shore of His supplies. There's no barriers that can hinder Him from pouring out His blessing. Folks, He is enduringly strong. He's the mighty God. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He is the I am. Jesus said in another place, I am the truth, the way, the truth, the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. That's Him. He's the way to God. He's the way to salvation. He's the truth. He didn't say I'm your truth and He didn't say I'm my truth. He says I'm the truth. People today want their truth. People want their truth. Oh, I've got my truth, preacher. My truth, what's your truth? My truth is there's no gravity. Oh, okay, well, that's your truth. You can have your truth. But try jumping off the building, buddy, and let's see how things turn out for you. It ain't about your truth and my truth and this truth and that truth. You know what, that's an, you know what that whole campaign's about? If, that, if that's the case, there's really no truth whatsoever. But Jesus said, I'm the truth, amen? I'm the way, the truth. I, ho I hope you know him today. I hope you know the I am, because I'm telling you, the I am is enough. He is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for his sheep. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is the life. Jesus promises eternal, everlasting life to all who believe. 
And again, he doesn't offer life, as I mentioned earlier, he offers the abundant life. The abundant life, the overflowing life. Jesus is the way. Jesus says also in John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. He says, without me you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you are the branches. This is a good one. I am the vine. See, connect, if we're connected to Him, we can grow and flourish spiritually. The great thing about being a Christian, folks, is this. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on God being disconnected from God and having to do things yourself in order to please or be accepted by God. It is getting connected to God. And Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And it reveals another true, pretty cool emphasis to me. Now, because I want to tell you something today. Jesus Christ is the I am. He's the I am. He's the He's the I am for all that we aren't. He's the I am for all that we are not. Do you remember Moses? Moses, that was a pretty good name to give to Moses. Because we understand to some extent or the other that perhaps Moses had some sort of speech impediment. We believe that. But at the very least, he was not comfortable going and speaking for God. So, so, so let's just think about that. The I am, he's sufficient for what you aren't. So Moses has an excuse now. He says, well, well, well Lord, uh, I can't speak. You know what God's answer to that is? I'm not a good speaker, Moses says. You know what God says? I am. <laughs> I am. Hey, maybe Moses says to the Lord, I'm not brave. God says, don't worry, Moses. I am. I'm not strong. Moses, don't worry. I am. I am. Moses says, well, Lord, you want me to go do what? You want me to go put my rod down? And you want me to go perform these signs? Lord, I'm not a miracle worker. God looks at him and says, well, I am. Amen. I am. See, what are you not? Is that good English? What are you not? Where are you lacking at? What's your excuse is what I'm trying to say. But Christ, and he's the vine, and you're just the branch. You know what? Man, when God, when God, when God called me into the ministry... I had some problems with that because I look at God and I say, well, God, I've got a problem. If I'm supposed to teach people, the problem is I'm not smart. You know what God says? Don't worry about it. I am. I am. I can do it. Don't worry. What he, in other words, what he's calling us to do, he will empower us. Lord, I'm not able. I am not able to do what you're telling me to do. God says, don't worry. I am. I'm able. The Bible says unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Hey, how about this one? I'm not wealthy. You know what? God says, I am. Don't you worry. I'll make the way. I'll make the way. See, it's, a, it's an interesting emphasis that I heard some years ago. I've always said that his name that God gave me is I am that I am. But I've heard somebody say that there's a, a different emphasis that you can put on that. It's not just I am that I am. It's that I am that I am. You know which one I am? I'm the one. I'm the all-powerful one. I'm the almighty one. I'm the one that's in control. 
I got married and God blessed me with kids and I could say, Lord, I don't know, I, I, I'm not a good father, but God says, I am. <laughs> I'll help you. See, whatever you are not, God is. He is the great I am. Folks, listen, He is that I am. And I want to I close today with just a, a quick uh, thought here as we think about the Lord and Him being I am. Do you know Him today? See, the I am is enough. See, today He wants to be the source of our power, the strength of our lives, the security of our eternity. That's who our God is. Throughout the book of John, the Bible tells us some great things about Jesus Christ. He's presented in there the I am as the sin taker, the love giver in John 3.16, the soul satisfier of John 4, the sick healer of John 5, the bread breaker, the wave walker, the thirst quencher, the life changer, the eye opener, the sheep keeper of John 10, the dead raiser of John 11, the light shiner, the heart, the heart calmer, the mansion builder of John 14, the branch purger of John 15, the spirit sender, the cross bearer, the blood shedder, the grave robber, and the peace speaker. He is the great I am. Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us. But He wants to be God in you. And I'm going to close with one verse here today. As we all stand and Miss Kim comes to the piano or somebody comes to the piano. John 1 verse 12, the Bible says, As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. I'll say that one more time. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And I wonder today, have you received Him? Think about God Almighty coming as far as He did for you. God Almighty, folks. 